Chapter 18 of The Story of My Life and Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Story of My Life and Work by Booker T. Washington. A Vacation in Europe, Part 2. During our stay in London, I took special pains to inquire into the opportunities for our people to better their condition by emigrating to Africa, and convinced myself that there was little, if any, hope of this, largely because Africa is almost completely divided up among various European nations, leaving little hope for self-government in any part of Africa, except in the small republic of Liberia, which is notably unhealthy and undesirable from almost every point of view i found out that in many cases the negroes are treated by europeans in africa almost as badly as they have ever been treated in the south the letter which i wrote from london on this subject was very widely copied and commented upon by the american press while i was in europe cases of lynching of our people were especially frequent in the south and in order to assist in checking this injustice perpetrated upon the race, I addressed the following letter to the Southern people, which was widely published throughout the country and seemed to do much good. It was heartily commented upon editorially in the Southern press. Several times during the last few months, while our country has been shocked because of the lynching of Negro citizens, I have been asked by many to say something upon the subject through the press, and have been tempted to do so. At the time of these lynchings I kept silent, because I did not believe that the public mind was in a condition to listen to a discussion of the subject in the calm judicial manner that it would be later, when there should be no undue feeling or excitement. In the discussion of this or any other matter, little good is accomplished unless we are perfectly frank there is no white man of the south who has more sincere love for it than i have and nothing could tempt me to write or speak that which i did not think was for the permanent good of all the people of the south whenever adverse criticism is made upon the south i feel it as keenly as any member of the white race can feel it it is, therefore, my interest in everything which pertains to the South that prompts me to write as I do now. While it is true that there are cases of lynchings and outrage in the northern and western states, candor compels us to admit that by far the most of the cases of lynchings take place in our southern states and that most of the persons lynched are Negroes. With all the earnestness of my heart, I want to appeal not to the President of the United States, Mr. McKinley, not to the people of New York, nor of the New England states, but to the citizens of our southern states, to assist in creating a public sentiment such as will make human life just as safe and sacred here as it is anywhere else in the world. For a number of years, the South has appealed to the North and to federal authorities through the public press, from the public platform, and most eloquently through the late Henry W. Grady, to leave the whole matter of the rights and protection of the Negro to the South, declaring that it would see to it 
that the negro would be made secure in his citizenship during the last half dozen years the whole country from the president down has been inclined more than ever to pursue this policy leaving the whole matter of the destiny of the negro to the negro himself and to the southern white people among whom the great bulk of the negroes live by the present policy of non-interference on the part of the north and the federal government the south is given a sacred trust how will she execute this trust the world is waiting and watching to see the question must be answered largely by the protection the south gives to the life of the negro and the provisions that are made for the development of the negro in the organic laws of the state i fear that but few people in the south realize to what extent the habit of lynching or the taking of life without due process of law has taken hold of us and to what extent it is hurting us not only in the eyes of the world but in our own moral and material growth lynching was instituted some years ago with the idea of punishing and checking outrage upon women let us examine the cold facts and see where it has already led us and where it is likely further to carry us if we do not rid ourselves of the habit many good people in the south and also out of the south have gotten the idea that lynching is resorted to for one crime only i have the facts from an authoritative source during last year one hundred twenty seven persons were lynched in the united states of this number one hundred eighteen were executed in the south and nine in the north and west of the total number lynched one hundred two were negroes twenty three were whites and two indians now let everyone interested in the south his country and the cause of humanity note this fact that only twenty-four of the entire number were charged in any way with the crime of rape that is twenty-four out of one hundred twenty-seven cases of lynching sixty-one of the remaining cases were for murder thirteen being for suspected murder six for theft etc during one week last spring when i kept a careful record thirteen negroes were lynched in three of our southern states and not one was even charged with rape all of these thirteen were accused of murder or house burning but in none of the cases were the men allowed to go before a court so that their innocence or guilt might be proven when we get to the point where four-fifths of the people lynched in our country in one year are lynched for some crime other than rape we can no longer plead and explain that we lynch for one crime alone let us take another year that of eighteen ninety two for example during this year eighteen ninety two two hundred forty one persons were lynched in the whole united states thirty-six of this number were lynched in northern and western states and two hundred five in our southern states of the two hundred forty one lynched in the whole country one hundred sixty were negroes and five of these were women the facts show that out of the two hundred forty one lynched in the entire country in eighteen ninety two but fifty seven were even charged with rape even attempted rape leaving in that year alone 
184 persons who were lynched for other causes than that of rape. If it were necessary, I could produce figures for other years. Within a period of six years, about 900 persons have been lynched in our southern states. This is but a few hundred short of the total number of soldiers who lost their lives in Cuba during the Spanish-American War. If we would realize still more fully how far this unfortunate habit is leading us on, note the classes of crime during a few months which the local papers and associated press say that lynching has been inflicted for, they include murder, rioting, incendiarism, robbery, larceny, self-defense, insulting women, alleged stock poisoning, malpractice, alleged barn burning, suspected robbery, race prejudice, attempted murder, horse stealing, and mistaken identity, etc. The practice has grown until we are now at the point where not only blacks are lynched in the South, but white men as well. Not only this, but within the last six years, at least a half dozen colored women have been lynched, and there are a few cases where Negroes have lynched members of their own race. What is to be the end of this? Besides this, every lynching drives hundreds of Negroes from the farming districts of the South, where their services are of great value to the country, into the already overcrowded cities. I know that some will argue that the crime of lynching Negroes is not confined to the South. This is true, and no one can excuse such a crime as the shooting of innocent black men in Illinois, who were guilty of no crime except that of seeking labor, but my words just now are to the South, where my home is, and a part of which I am. Let other sections act as they will. I want to see our beautiful Southland free from this terrible evil of lynching. Lynching does not stop crime. In the immediate section of the South where a colored man recently committed the most terrible crime ever charged against a member of his race, but a few weeks previous to this, five colored men had been lynched for supposed incendiarism. If lynching was a cure for crime, surely the lynching of five would have prevented another Negro from committing a most heinous crime a few weeks later. We might as well face the facts bravely and wisely. Since the beginning of the world, crime has been committed in all civilized and uncivilized countries, and a certain amount of crime will always be committed, both in the North and in the South. But I believe that the crime of rape can be stopped. In proportion to the numbers and intelligence of the population of the South, there exists little more crime than in several other sections of the country. But because of the lynching habit, we are constantly advertising ourselves to the world as a lawless people. We cannot disregard the teachings of the civilized world for 1,800 years that the only way to punish crime is by law. When we leave this dictum, chaos begins. I am not pleading for the Negro alone. Lynching injures, hardens, and blunts the moral sensibilities of the young and tender manhood of the South. Never shall I forget the remark by a little nine-year-old white boy with blue eyes and flaxen hair. 
the little fellow said to his mother after he had returned from a lynching i have seen a man hanged now i wish i could see one burned rather than hear such a remark from one of my little boys i would prefer seeing him laid in his grave this is not all every community guilty of lynching says in so many words to the governor to the legislature to the sheriff to the jury and to the judge i have no faith in you and no respect for you we have no respect for the law which we helped to make in the south at the present time there is less excuse for not permitting the law to take its course where a negro is to be tried than anywhere else in the world for almost without exception the governors the sheriffs the judges the juries and the lawyers are all white men and they can be trusted as a rule to do their duty otherwise it is needless to tax the people to support these officers if our present laws are not sufficient to properly punish crime let the laws be changed but that the punishment may be by lawfully constituted authority is the plea i make the history of the world proves that where law is most strictly enforced is the least crime where people take the administration of the law into their own hands is the most crime but there is another side the white man in the south has not only a serious duty and responsibility but the negro has a duty and responsibility in this matter in speaking of my own people i want to be equally frank but i speak with the greatest kindness there is too much crime among us the figures for a given period show that in the united states thirty per cent of the crime committed is by negroes while we constitute only about twelve per cent of the entire population this proportion holds good not only in the south but also in the northern states and cities no race that is so largely ignorant and so lately out of slavery could perhaps show a better record but we must face these plain facts he is most kind to the negro who tells him of his faults as well as of his virtues a large amount of the crime among us grows out of the idleness of our young men and women it is for this reason that i have tried to insist upon some industry being taught in connection with their course of literary training the time has come when every parent every teacher and minister of the gospel should teach with unusual emphasis morality and obedience to the law at the fireside in the schoolroom in the sunday school from the pulpit and the negro press there should be such a sentiment created regarding the committing of crime against women that no such crime shall be charged against any member of the race let it be understood for all time that no one guilty of rape can find sympathy or shelter with us and that none will be more active in bringing to justice through the proper authorities those guilty of crime let the criminal and vicious element of the race have at all times our most severe condemnation let a strict line be drawn between the virtuous and the criminal i condemn with all the indignation of my soul the beast in human form guilty of assaulting a woman let us all be alike in this particular 
we should not as a race become discouraged we are making progress no race has ever gotten upon its feet without discouragements and struggles i should be a great hypocrite and a coward if i did not add that which my daily experience teaches me is true namely that the negro has among many of the southern whites as good friends as he has anywhere in the world these friends have not forsaken us they will not do so neither will our friends in the north if we make ourselves intelligent industrious economical and virtuous of value to the community in which we live we can and will work out our own salvation right here in the south in every community by means of organized effort we should seek in a manly and honorable way the confidence the cooperation the sympathy of the best white people in the south and in our respective communities with the best white people and the best black people standing together in favor of law and order and justice i believe that the safety and happiness of both races will be made secure in closing this chapter i repeat what i have said on another occasion those who fought for the freedom of the slaves performed their duty heroically and well but a duty still remains for those who are left the mere fiat of law cannot make an ignorant voter an intelligent voter cannot make a dependent man an independent man cannot make one citizen respect another these results will come to the negro as to all races by beginning at the bottom and gradually working up to the highest possibilities of his nature in the economy of god there is but one standard by which an individual can succeed there is but one for the race in working out his own destiny while the main burden of activity must be with the negro he will need in the years to come the help the encouragement the guidance that the strong can give to the weak end of chapter 18 part 2 recording by linda johnson